Hello, this is Fred Ottman, Tugboat Typhoon, the Shockmaster, the B-A-double-D, Big Steel Man, and you're listening to BBGWrestling.com. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Hands of the Merchandise on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me today, and sometimes I enjoy talking to guests like today more than I enjoy talking to wrestlers sometimes because I get to really geek out uh, over you know various products. Uh, I have with me uh, a man who was a senior. I'm going to get this right because I have a terrible memory already. I'm, I swear I'm not drunk uh, when I do these. Senior product coordinator. Close. Senior production oh, coordinator. God damn it. Okay. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> we don't edit these things out. See, I, I swear I take things in. Um, but, yeah, it's just um, I'm also trying to shoot cats out of a room as well. Um, <laughs> uh, for, for Silver Vision, um, the... Uh, the distributor, uh, the maker of uh, WWF videos, WWE videos, DVDs in the UK. Um, I have with me James Gallagher. Hello. Hello. Lovely to be on the podcast. Um, big fan. And I'm looking forward to having a chat today. That <laughs> does wonders for my ego when someone says they're a big fan, you know. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but right before we get into, like, everything and this is going to sound like a really sort of predictable chronological sort of question but like living in the uk and uh being around my age uh was it wwf that you were first introduced to yes it was i think um i was introduced to wwf mainly through the silver vision videos ironically um a friend of mine his dad owned a video shop like a rental video shop which were big deals in the early 90s because you know it was kind of like a blockbuster knockoff there was loads of them on the high street and at the very front of the shop as you walk down the street you would see those really bright wrestlemania video covers with hulk hogan and ultimate warrior and, and the rest and it just really piqued my interest and i was always like begging to get one of these videos please and because he his dad owned a shop i was like you know begging if i could get it for free and i have to pay the you know three pound fifty or whatever it was so yeah I, I got into it i think around 90 91 but to be honest it's a bit blurry because those videos were out but I had no sense of timeline at that age. So I think I watched Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior probably in like 91, not knowing when it actually happened. <laughs> so did you have Sky at the time? I didn't know. Um, I didn't actually get Sky. We didn't get Sky till about late 96. So, so really wow. up until late 96, I relied on old VF VHSs completely out of order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand that. What was your first VHS? Do you remember Oh, I mean, to be honest, because I rented them, I don't to own. I don't know. But to rent, I, I, I definitely remember WrestleMania six and I was definitely in the Ultimate Warrior <laughs> side of things. <laughs> I was kind of sick of Hulk Hogan because I, I must have seen a lot of tapes before that, because I think Hulk Hogan, I think the very first Silver Vision release was a Hulk Hogan Real American. 
um, I must have seen quite a few Hulk Hogan tapes and and all his wins. And I knew by that point I was a bit sick of them and wanted Warrior to win. So I was ecstatic, probably about a year and a half later in London, celebrating a win from Canada from probably two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the thing as well. I think a lot of people may just assume that in the UK, WrestleMania 1 came out first, but that wasn't the case at all. Um, no. There was a selection of videos with the, the red and white stripes at the mm. bottom of the the video cover and it was like high flyers greatest yeah. steel cage matches the british bulldogs video the uh the first hogan video um those were first really um yeah. and superheroes all that kind of thing um so yeah those were like sort of uh, my earliest introductions like, like yeah, mega matches 90 mm. was my first ever video um yeah, yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. I do remember at Christmas getting the um, the greatest hits of WrestleMania or something like that, and it was like a selection of like mid card matches from like <laughs> the first few WrestleManias. You know, those really poor matches, filler <laughs> stuff, and they stuck it on a tape. And I remember being gutted when I got it because I didn't want the old stuff. Because old it was not cool back then. This is true, and the thing is, as well, back then when if they were going to do like retrospectives on videos, they couldn't really include anyone who wasn't with the company anymore. Um, so I think that was the video where Sean Mooney pretended to be stood in the crowd at WrestleMania Five, although it was blatantly a green screen, and they were going through like the preview. And I think one of the matches was the Battle Royal from WrestleMania Two. Yes, this is this is the one I remember quite vividly. <laughs> that was on that that video with Andre the Giant and all these NFL players, and there were completely no names in the UK, like the re Refrigerator Perry and all these guys. Oh, I so the, um, that's one thing that we or I never really saw was WWF videos in video rental shops. Mm. Um, I just must never down, must have been down south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, because I never went into like a blockbuster. I had like a local video store, which would get the the like, latest movies, and the, the branch didn't like Super Nintendo and Sega Mega Drive games. But uh, we certainly never never got wrestling video, and I didn't have Sky for a long time at the time as well so it really was just um you know whatever you could get your hands on like ideally from car boot sales as well because they were um you know they were just cheaper did you did you like sort of you know scour the car boot sales when you were younger for like old hasbro figures and yes videos? <laughs> there wasn't videos but there was definitely hasbro's like looking like my collection me and my brother's collection we've got a lot of hasbro's all loose and damaged but you know that was a lot of love involved in that um but yeah we would go to car boot sales find figures buy figures really cheap you know we're talking like a whole box of them for you know for a five or something um people now are, are, from what i can see online are paying thousands for them just wish I kept them in the box now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, uh, yeah, but I mean, because uh, yeah, I just found some uh, Christmas photographs. I must have been eight, and I'm tearing into some Hasbro's, and I'm like, ah, oh. but I, I don't regret it, as I'm sure you don't either, because that shapes who you are, you know, as a child. Yeah, and then the other, the other thing as well is that my cousin had Sky in Manchester, and he would send down some tapes. So <laughs> I remember getting Survivor Series '93, oh. and. Um, <laughs> on tape with the four doinks uh, and then on the on the end of that tape it was the beginning of royal rumble 94 so that just shows how long it would have been from you know that event in november i probably got that tape at the end of february so and then it would be in long play and we didn't have a long play player so i'm watching it with like chipmunks talking over it you know so 
yeah. we, we that's amazing there. it's it's almost like we're the same person here because like it's my friend i considered anyone who had sky to probably be rich at right. the time um and it it was actually for me it was royal rumble 94 and um because they put it on um short play instead of long play um uh, the video cut off during doing sentence and i was just like oh, oh. so um <laughs> yeah oh, gosh yeah. never knew who won it you know and um <laughs> i've still got i've still got a tape that my auntie um it was the week after the rumble, the week of the rumble, just after it. So it had like the the results and had the coin toss for WrestleMania and all that kind of stuff. And um, that you know, I, I still remember that build up from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania ten, feeling like it took years for it to happen. Because um, when you're a kid and you're looking forward to something, especially when the building up WrestleMania is like the greatest thing you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was it for me as well. That's that's amazing. So, did you get the magazines as well? Because magazines and sticker albums and stuff they were affordable with pocket money and stuff. Yeah, I definitely had all this SummerSlam '92 the cards. Yes, do you remember them? Those gold sort of black and gold ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got. I think I've got nearly all of them and loads of doubles. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, to be honest, when my cousin stopped sending me the tapes, I don't know what happened to their Sky. They didn't pay their Sky or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I fell out of wrestling from I would say right after around the WrestleMania ten, and didn't really get back into it until after WrestleMania twelve. So um, what got me back into it was I just spotted a magazine, as you mentioned it, uh, in a, in a local news agent, and it had Shawn Michaels' Boyhood Dream on the front, and it, it just caught my eye. And then the following issue was like Jake the Snake was on the front with his yellow new Revelation snake. And I just, I, and I remember the woman in the shop saying, like, giving me, you know, the eye saying, like, are you going to buy it or what, mate? You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, it's just that got me back into it with the magazines, funnily enough. And then, and then uh, Sky coming back, getting Sky at the end of '96, and then from then on, I was hooked. It was, it's kind of like a an odd timeline because you usually hear about people our age maybe getting out of wrestling by about '93, '94. Um, because of the, you know, early 90s had the whole sky boom mm -hmm. and um, Summer Sun 92, all that kind of thing. And I always say that I, I honestly believe that WWF was as big in this country during the early 90s as it ever was during the Attitude Era. Um, you know, WrestleMania, the album, you know, making the top 10, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, but you usually hear about like people getting back into wrestling, usually when Tyson came in, like leading up to WrestleMania 14. But mm. the, 96 period like do you remember it feeling different or do you remember sort of like i don't know understanding it more or getting into it in a different way because you were older at that point i think the magazines in mid in summer 96 i it, it piqued my interest again and then we got cable so we had never had anything like that before and we just had the basic package um and then we knew we had to pay extra for sky sports and basically me and my brother did a number on my dad's <laughs> and just kept begging him and begging him and, and we just wanted Royal Rumble 97 like we badly oh. wanted to watch Royal Rumble 97 yeah and when it actually broadcast on Sky originally it wasn't live or anything and they had these advert breaks all the way through it and it was probably broadcast maybe the week after and I remember recording it and then pressing stop 
before the advert breaks and record when it came back on and just sat there on the floor pressing it. And I, I must have watched that tape over and over and over. That 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 event just sealed the deal for me. That that summer, uh, sorry, that Royal Rumble in, in the Houston Astrodome was it? Um, no, Alamo Dome. Oh, San Antonio, yeah. Alamo Dome, yeah. Yeah. They they gave away like twenty thousand comp tickets because San Antonio, Texas has like a population of about a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> so the the thing is with that event, um, as you find with a lot of the events that they did in the smaller towns, like Survivor Series ninety four happened to be in San Antonio as well, and those events have a ton of promotional merchandise for them, um, because they really wanted to get the word out there. So, um. Yeah, 97 Rumble, there's like mugs and keychains and uh, they worked with um, uh, they worked with Taco Bell for it. And mm-hmm. If you bought a taco, you got like a free ticket for the Rumble and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's how like... What they thought of when people like uh, all the minis were coming out and all these AAA guys were coming out, they must have thought, what, what on earth is all this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing stuff. So did you have um, like aspirations like to be a wrestler when you were younger? Well, to be honest, in the Powerslam magazine, they'd always have the Hammerlock Wrestling down at the very end of the classifieds, and they'd always be in Portsmouth. And, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I looked up where Portsmouth was and how I'd get to Portsmouth and how much was Hammerlock. And, of course, at the time, me and my friend, we were like, let's go, because in school, in PE, we'd be climbing all over the mats, you know, doing the 3D and the power bombs and everything, you know. I'm sure a lot of kids our age were doing the same thing, but we never actually took that step because it was interesting when I recently watched the Drew McIntyre 365 on the network and he was saying that he did exactly that. He literally seen Hammerlock in a magazine, went down there and just did it. So he, he he's basically doing what all kids our age wanted to do but you never either had the opportunity to do or never really had that drive to actually do it yeah it it was around the early 2000s all of a sudden a wrestling school uh started and a a local promotion started up uh, around here and that just seemed a million miles away from what i thought was possible you know, that, like, wrestling could happen locally, like, no matter who it was run by or anything like that. But, I mean, it was the early 2000s, so everyone was dressed up in, like, Hardy Boys jeans and, mm-hmm. um, you know, had the long, wet, dyed hair and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, very, very of its time. Um, but, like, during that time, did outside of wrestling, so, I mean, you, you never saw wrestling as, like, in any area as, like, a viable career. Like, what were you doing at that point in terms of what led you to your job at Silver Vision? Like, were you doing, like, graphic design or marketing or anything like that? So I, um, I, I went to university in Lincoln, which is uh, north for me. <laughs> and, um, and I did media production there. So I, w- I was looking and that was involving like doing your own radio shows and your own TV shows and scripting and that kind of thing, which is a really cool course, but not necessarily something the majority of people get a career out of. Um, and then I started as everyone usually usually does. Is I was in Soho in London. I was a runner collecting videotapes, dropping them off, all of that kind of stuff, which we have to do to pave the way through. And, um, and then a friend of mine who... Uh, who who actually do you know wrestlingshop.com uh yes i do yeah they sell the, the action figures so richard runs that who's the owner of that company he's actually a school friend of mine oh and, really? um he, yeah it's funny 
is a small world. He spotted an advert on the Silver Vision website on the top left, which said they were looking for a production coordinator, um, which was which is, and I just applied for it. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, Enfield, that's quite a mission from where I live. It's an hour, it's about an hour and a half to get there, an hour and a half home every day. Let me go for an interview, just test out the travel there and back and see if I want it. And to be honest with you, I, I didn't care if it was four hours back there and back. I was, I was always going to take the job if they offered it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a dream job. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting. So when I went into the interview at Silver Vision, uh, the, the owner there, I recognized straight away because I actually won a competition with Silver Vision back in 2002 to win tickets to Insurrection. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> when I was at Insurrection, I was sat next to this guy and uh, he told me he was the owner of Silver Vision. So, of course, I spent all night asking him questions. <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward three years, I'm sitting in an interview for a job with him. So, um, yeah, I got, I got the job and then I started at Silver Vision in, uh, in uh, will be January 2006 uh, when I started there. And, uh, yeah, it, just, it, was a, it was a great job. I mean, they'd already been distributing WWF DVDs from, I think, 88 and um and i think by the time they lost the license at about end of 2012 i think they'd been a licensee for wwe for about 23 years yeah which i think was the longest license wwe have ever had or maybe ever will have and you know there's there's you know they genuinely would put in emails that silver vision you guys are an extension of the wwe family you know that that's how much that they loved working with us, and and how how much you know they took care of of us. You know, if if Civil Vision ever went to the states, or if they ever came to London, they'd always come visit us and stuff like that. So it was just a, a bit of a dream job, to be honest with you. So um, at that time, for for those who don't know, I mean, funnily enough, I was going through some files yesterday, and um, I saved every advert that Silver Vision would send via email. Um, so it would be like a random picture of like, say, Big Boss Man with the latest Tag Classic DVD and all that kind of thing. Um, but but I did have the um, the the catalogs before that. I'm not sure how I originally got a catalog. Um, it must have been oh well, the address was in the videos basically, and you could mm-hmm. just send away for a catalog. Can you? Is that what you did as well? Like, uh, did, were you ordering a lot from the Silver Vision catalog, or were you just buying from stores? Um. To be honest, I always thought Silver Vision was expensive, <laughs> so, like twelve ninety nine and fourteen ninety nine for VHSs. So I'd get the catalogue. I was on the mailing list, but I don't know how they kept sending it to me because I hardly ever bought. Um, I just loved looking at the catalogue, you know, just flicking through it constantly and reading it all and seeing which ones I want, making a list. But I actually rarely ordered. Um, most of the time, I'd pick it up in like a Woolworths or a WH Smith or something like that. Yeah. For me, there was, um, I'm going to sound like a cheap, well, we've talked about carpet sales, but uh, Gated Indoor Market was, um, if it wasn't birthday or Christmas, when I would get like new videos and some of them would come with the free gifts as well, like the tattoos and the um, the hologram cards and all that kind of thing. Gated Indoor Market was like, you know, it didn't matter what the title was. Somehow they managed to get in just about everything. There was £3.50 a pop and... Uh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was incredible. Um, even some of those like sort of ninety five to ninety seven uh, Coliseum videos, like confirmed hits and the free for all video and all that kind of like the sort of slightly more obscure ones. 
Are you um, talking years later or are you talking at the actual time? Oh, this, I mean, I think they closed around about 2004. Um, and I was probably a, a regular customer there from about 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time 2004 hit, they were getting in, like, you know, the Attitude Era stuff, like the WrestleMania 14, King Ring 98 and stuff like that. But before then, um, I didn't really have many videos at all. And uh, they really did. They, like, sorted me out, basically. But um, one video I was never able to find. I don't know why it was considered rare, um, but they even referenced this in the uh, in the catalogue, saying it was, like, exclusive to the catalogue. But the first annual Survivor Series um, mm, was yeah. considered a bit of a rarity back then, which, I mean, sounds incredible now, but I don't know why it was... Was it? Do you, I mean, do you know? Was it produced in more limited numbers? Do you think? Oh. The the only thing I know about that is that Silver Vision had the choice of releasing that in the first wave of titles, and they they released eighty eight instead. Right. And, I, and I remember eighty seven wasn't released for for many years after, so it wasn't in the first batch of releases at all. Even though they it was the master tapes were in in the warehouse. The, the company just decided that actually let's get 88, 89 and stuff out instead. So 87 was like a late edition. So maybe the, the run was, was low because of that. That's interesting. I mean, so do you, um, I'm, I may ask you questions that like, hopefully, you know, but if you don't, you know, um, it's no problem, but it's just complete curiosity. But do you know why, you know, so the early Survivor Series um, and a couple of others were like, heavily edited and why things like Haku versus Holly Race was taken out of Rumble 89, Coco and Mountie was taken out of Rumble 91. Do you know what like the thinking was behind that? Was it just a time thing? To be honest, if if it if it wasn't on the master tape that the the US sent Silver Vision, then it that would be the reason why it would have been a it would have been a WWF decision not to put that on the international master. So we would literally get the master tape and we would put out every single thing they would send us. Silver Vision never edited anything that was sent over. As I say that with not including any BBFC stuff, which we might get onto in a minute, but anything like um, matches like that, I don't believe we would ever have trimmed anything off a title if it wasn't on the master tape. So I imagine that was just a WWF decision. Do, do you know, know if there was always if there was ever any disappointment that they would come edited in such a way, and were there ever any, um, I guess, petitions to get what would eventually become things like the uh, the anthology releases? Yeah, I think there was um, some customer queries about it. I mean, we're going back a long, long time. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I know you went there. I, I mean, my colleague of mine started in '91. Uh, he'd probably be better to answer that. But yeah, I, I do believe there were queries over the years about why these titles weren't on there. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just customer complaints did come in but I, I wasn't involved in that area of the business and i think we eventually got them all out unedited was that be that right or yeah um, on the anthology um i mean were there any um did people understand what they were getting with the um with the tag classics that they were going to be direct from the video well the tag classics is a whole other <laughs> podcast <laughs> isn't it really i mean Tag Classics is really what Silver Vision, you know, historically are what they're known for, I would say. 
mm. we would get orders. We would get people from the States insanely jealous. <laughs> oh, I remember, yeah. <laughs> about what the UK were getting and why can't we get these? Why, why, you know, why do we, you know, we don't have a region two player. We, why can't you do them region three? Like it was, it was constant. <laughs> um, did you, what was what, the, what was the answer? Like you just couldn't do it. Oh, you weren't allowed to do it. Oh. Well, no, we, we just, we didn't do them region three, but they were, they were power. We, we edited the, um, mastered them in power format. So unless you were quite smart in the U S and you had a, a, a power and, and an NTSC set up, on your player, you wouldn't be able to play them back properly. There'd be like a frame rate issue with it. So some with some smart guys around that were able to play back the PAL stuff on their machines. But uh, yeah, mostly it was like, sorry, it's region two, um, it's PAL. So that's it. It, it is crazy because like later on, um, America would get some tag classics, but of more recent events from like 2004, 2005 sort of thing. Um, and then I guess the, the only thing apart from the eventual anthologies was when they did those single DVD releases of the WrestleManias. Yeah, they 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 stole our idea on the Tag Classics for sure. But <laughs> I think they lost the whole reason for why we did them. Well, you know, no one really wanted 2003, 2004 as a double set on a... They've probably seen Tag Classics were successful and thought, oh, we'll do that. It's like, no, 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 it's because it's unblurred <laughs> that's why people are buying them yeah was there was there a drop in dvd sales was that like the thinking behind why the tag classics came about but also things like when you would do um a pay-per-view with another dvd like you did rebellion with say the benoit dvd or you did trish with an insurrection dvd and stuff like that yeah i mean the the the, the tag classics there's a bit of a backstory on that um so when WWF changed to WWE, the Silver Vision catalogue went down from like hundreds of titles to six titles <laughs> overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was thinking like, well, how we've got this, we've got all these master tapes. And what are we going to do? Like how, we've got it down to six titles. Um, at the same time, what was going on was the lawsuit with WWF World Wildlife Fund uh, and, and what became WWE. And um, THQ, which obviously they were releasing the, the games at the time, they'd released the game, I think, at the end of 2001. Uh, and then by about mid-2002, we're told they had to stop selling it because of the WWF logo on it. Oh, Mania 18, wasn't it, for the GameCube? Because I think on yeah. the cover, there is... I mean, they had to change the cover and take Austin off for a start, but it has a WWE logo on the cover. But if you look at the things like the commentary tables on the game, it still has a WWF logo on it. Yeah, so that's how they got around it, basically. And they, they I, I believe, don't quote me because I haven't read any of the legal paperwork, <laughs> but um, I believe that's the, the reason why we were able to do Tag Classic. So THQ fought back against the ruling uh, against the WWF because, you know, they had games that they just come out. They had at least a year until, you know, the next game came out. And they were told to, to cull all titles effective immediately. So the, the ruling, and I think only related to the UK market, was, from what I understand, was that the WWF logo had to be removed from all packaging and, and when, you know, when you were selling directly to a customer, so there was no confusion in the marketplace. But obviously, once you bought it, 
inside the game slash video uh, there's no need to do any editing once once it's been bought so that's, that's interesting it, it always seemed to be more of a problem from what i saw with the scratch logo over the yeah. the the block logo was is, yeah. that, is that just because that was the logo that we're using at that time the scratch logo was it was a big problem I, I i'm not i i don't understand why they were so adamant about blurring the scratch logo versus the block logo um i, I don't actually know why that was the main issue was the reference of wwf um even within the actual you know any if you look at any titles like if you look at that wrestlemania anthology they've they've took out every single reference to wwf inside because they were putting it out so that's the difference between tag classics whereas we could they were the original masters the reason why we were able to release things unblurred yes we had that legal ruling but what was the, the what really was the main thing there was that when wwf sent us the master tapes so when you think master tapes i'm talking about they look like vhs tapes but three times the size so if someone's not in production that's kind of how to visualize it mm -hmm. uh they're digibeaters and you know all you're talking about all the wrestlemanias and survivor series and summer slams literally everything up to 2002 uh, we were supposed to send those master tapes back to the to wwf so once you're done with the master tape you've released the video or the dvd send us these master tapes back and these go back to stanford to the tv uh, production and and done we did not send any of the master tapes back <laughs> <laughs> so they were kept in our warehouse uh, let me tell you this warehouse was something else <laughs> imagine every single release ever on digibit tape in this warehouse it was like it was just unbelievable in there uh, and trying to organize it into an order was a job in itself so it was it was it was actually a blessing in disguise that we didn't send any of those back because when it came to the thq ruling we were actually able to just repackage old dvds with the original masters inside but just as long as we didn't mention wwf on the outside and then we could release them crazy i mean wonderful because it, it like it kept me buying them um and a lot of because I'm, I'm guessing at that time as well because actually era had come and gone and i think there was that period of kind of lapsed fandom but mm. you know the the tag classics came along at the perfect time along with the 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 legends marketing campaign with the classic superstars figures with all the merch that was coming out as well and that's kind of what kept me and continues to i guess keep me going as well so can i ask some very nerdy questions about um <laughs> that, that, you know if you don't know then fair enough but like it's just things that i've like i've always thought about in, in terms of the dubbing over things um did you ever run into any complications with the whole jesse ventura owning the rights to his commentary and with the music thing was that another sort of it can be used in one country and not in another country because I, I never fully understood that if one person wrote it you think they would allow it to either be on everything or on nothing well are you referring to like the difference between the wrestlemania on the tag classics versus the wrestlemania on a anthology yeah um you know because it happened with a, a lot of it because i mean th there were there were forums because i had to sort of you know is it worth getting the anthology version or is it worth getting the tag classic version etc and it had like lists of like every single difference and um 
Yeah. So what what was yeah. the kind of what was the kind of deal with that? So for something like the WrestleMania anthology, which would be I don't know what year that came out, oh four something like that, mm. um, completely butchered and edited completely. I think even Dusty Rhodes comes out to like the Wheel of Fortune music or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <he does. laughs> um, yeah. So I mean the. The early WrestleManias are okay, but when it comes into the Attitude Era, just scratch logos blurred all over the place. That was because those were new master tapes. So they, so when we released the WrestleMania anthology, brand new master tapes came from WWE, and they were the ones that had to be used for the new release. So that was officially from WWE. So anything that was officially from them, that they, you know, that they would have, they would have those edits already on the master tapes. So the difference would be on the tag classics that if they sent us that master tape in 1993 well we're just reusing that and you know it's it's that's the difference really it wasn't a new release it was just a re-release with new packaging on it and there was just never anything like even like say with the jesse ventura commentary and everything just never never an issue whatsoever well in in terms of like you know using stuff that was written by someone or owned by someone etc um because uh, well the, the it's just the thing that comes to mind is um the um when martha hart brought up uh, uh, she didn't realize that there were so many dvds out that we've owned on and the own heart foundation weren't getting any of the money from any of the sales from that or anything so you never heard anything legally about mm-hmm. that with your time at silver vision oh uh, well I wouldn't say there's a legal issue, but as far as royalties go, we absolutely had to report all sales back to the US. And then when they would, when that reporting would go back to WWE, they had a very complex um, royalty scheme. So they would obviously pay talent in percentage of sales. Jesse Ventura had a, a sweet deal with which he fair play to him um, got that all sorted himself back in the early 90s but when those anthologies came out Jesse Ventura's commentary was on there which meant he did get a slice of the pie and he did get I imagine he would have been compensated for that yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you know because it would have been so ridiculous if that because there were some DVDs where they took Jesse Ventura's commentary off single matches and um it's like noticeably awful <laughs> yeah but, I mean I, I don't blame them to be fair because it's like if you're doing a DVD on a character and there's one match on there, but and Jesse Ventura's on there, you have to pay him a percentage mm. versus the WrestleMania anthology. I mean, you can't get away with not paying him for that, can you? That this is this is very true. Well, one collection thing, video-wise, um, that I want to ask about, and you may have this, um, but you remember some of the old uh, Coliseum videos came with posters attached to the covers. Yeah, I think so. Well, they they were quite they were like folded in four, were they? Yes, they were. Um, well, the the one that I'm sort of intrigued about is the third third annual Survivor Series because there were some covers that say it comes with free poster and there are some that aren't. And I was just completely nerdy, wondering if you owned it because I was just oh, you know, right. so I just wanted to, yeah, the uh, eighty nine Survivor Series. I just wanted to know what was on that poster because I've never found someone who's been like. Oh yeah, we still have the posters still attached to it, but um... okay, I don't have it, um, but I could maybe ask some of my colleagues if they have it. You mean the original VHS with the poster inside it? 
the original VHS. I'm I'm kind of currently looking at the um the Rumble '92 uh VHS poster, which I've had signed by many people on there because there was um there was it was all around that time. It was SummerSlam '89. It was um Battle Royal at the Albert Hall. Um, do you know what the thinking was with their selection of what they would add posters to? Because you would think that like Rumble '92, it doesn't need an extra selling point because it's you know, it's a Royal Rumble event. Mm. I don't know, actually. I mean, it was probably in, in those early embryotic days of Silver Vision, it was probably something that was on the American release and we just copied it. And we were just sent a bunch of posters, were told to put them in, were given the sticker, told to put the sticker on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but uh, unfortunately, I don't have that poster. And if I did, I would give it to you. <laughs> see that's what i was fishing for i'm just three you see um all right okay well the other release that is um, and i brought this up to you on uh on our chat on twitter as well is the undertaker gravest matches um tin um which i don't think a lot of people know about had you seen this before before i mentioned it so no uh and i asked a colleague of mine who i worked with at the time and he 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 was saying that the stickers were uh, just copied from the states, but I don't know about you. Mentioned something about Terminator Two. I don't. I don't um, could you explain the, that a bit more? Yeah, the tin. Um, because the Terminator Two video tin is really easy to get because obviously it was a, a wide. I'm guessing a wider release. Um, it's just a, a silver metal tin, and it has T two embossed on the lid. Um, so they ended up using that for the Undertaker video, but they they printed off a tombstone sticker with the Undertaker's name on it and rest in peace or whatever and inside you received like, some cool free gifts you got a you got a pair of Bret Hart sunglasses you got the um I think a British Bulldog um promotional picture it wasn't like eight by ten size it was just a little bit smaller um and you got a couple of other things as well and I've only seen it once and it's just now that I've put it on a podcast everyone's going to be searching for it I'm sure but um I've got yeah. it like sunglasses, I do have those. <laughs> Did you get them with a video, um, a, a free video offer? No, I have to admit, on my last day at Silver Vision, I went in the warehouse and sniped it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did the did the warehouse have all the free gifts, just like boxes of them, just piled up? It it was a bit of a. It wasn't organised in that way. It was just go in there, have a, have a look around, and the the, the the further you dug around, the more stuff you'd find. And to be honest, me and my colleague, we took that place apart, and there was nothing left in there. If we if we seen it, uh, you'd know about it. But there was nothing. There was no gravest matches tin or anything like that. I'm afraid. I don't think it exists, as far as I know, unless a collect some collectors out there have got it. What were the um? We talked about some of the the plaques, uh, like award plaques that were being yeah. given. Um, the, the one that I know about, SummerSlam '88, and apparently everyone on the cover get got one of those plaques, kind of like a record um yeah. platinum, you know, um awards and stuff like that. Because Virgil tried to sell his on. <laughs> Oh, which shouldn't yeah. which shouldn't be a huge shock, but did you ever see any of those? When, so when they were all, they were all up on the wall in the office. Um, so every time we got uh, a plaque, which we had to pay for, <laughs> and uh, it would it would be recognizing. Are you referring to like this this video sold hundred mm -hmm. yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Um, so those kind of silks or glass plaques. 
um, they were hung up all around the office. Uh, in, a, in a twist of fate, it is the company that produces them is where I work now. <laughs> so um, the, the British Video Association were the ones that printed those. And I believe the, the, the video, they stopped giving it, they stopped doing them, I think, in, in, the, in the 90s. But the Ultimate Warrior video, I believe, was the biggest seller on video. Oh, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it never beaten until I think what the Ric Flair DVD, the the triple disc. Um, well, you know, but... well, from from my perspective, as far as like sales numbers, as far as what I remember, um, the biggest selling DVD for many many years was uh, Tombstone, the Undertaker one. So, that, oh, nice. Yeah, that was a huge seller. Because that was the first time any Undertaker stuff had been on DVD. Um, and then I think the Raw 15th anniversary was a massive seller as well. Um, I think people in this era wouldn't maybe not realise, but like Raw and SmackDown matches on a DVD was a huge, uh, hugely rare. Mm. And that was, I think, the first time there was like a, a DVD just on Monday Night Raw matches. And that was a big seller. Well, that um, came with anything. A... Sorry, go for it. Yeah, no, you say it was, it was. I think it was four discs, was it? Well, it came with a bonus disc of the yeah. first episode. Um, mm. And as as a huge, huge, huge fan of 1993, to be able to get something like that was was awesome. I, I, I still possibly my favorite release ever uh, from Silver Vision is the box set of the 93, 94 Raw retrospective. Yeah, was best was it that best of Raw one? Yeah, one and so. They called it Volume One, so I'm assuming was '95 and '96 planned and etc. Yeah. yeah, they were all they were all planned, but I think I don't think they sold very well, and so they didn't they didn't carry on with those. They were the videos you were talking about, right? Or are you talking the, about the DVDs? The DVDs, yeah, they oh, came out right yeah. near nearish the end of Silver Vision. Yeah, um, yeah, I did look at the release schedule. What was going past? uh 2012 and all the best of royals were going to continue on through oh so what what were some of the um like if, if, you know if you're able to tell me what were some of the the plans for silver vision releases i'm guessing tag classics would have kept going because i mean that was the biggest yeah. gutter for me uh because once you started getting into the wrestle fests and um uh, grudge matches and all those kind of videos i was just like yes like keep these coming <laughs> yeah i mean that that was the plan i mean i'm, I'm just going to see if i can i can dig it out the um the titles that were on the list that were going to be going that were going to come out um, having a look now but I'll, I'll look for it in the meantime we'll carry on chatting <laughs> so one thing that came to mind as well i think this was um 2010 um or it might have been 2009 um the the, the amazing uh, unreleased hulk hogan matches dvd mm. came out um and the jeff hardy dvd came out as well which was again also a great dvd they came out after they had both departed from the company so were there ever any complications with things like that if someone had left before DVD came out? And were there any cancelled releases because of that? Well, that's a good question. Um, let me just get back to that question. I've found the list of the planned <laughs> okay. releases. Um, Best of Raw, the next tag classic in the series was going to be Best of Raw 3 and 4. Oh, um, and then it was Invasion 92 and Battle of Superstars 92. 
and then it was going to be a Bret Hart double, his greatest hits, and the best there is two. I think it was called. Oh, that's uh, just um, depressing. <laughs> best of Raw five and six was next up, and then it was Smack and Whackham and Grudges, Gripes and Grunts. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then Battle of the Superstars and the second annual Battle of the Superstars. And then the next set was Best of Raw 7, 8, and 9 as a two-disca. Oh, uh, wow. And the Hulk Still Rules was the one after that. Um, Best of Raw 10 and 11. And then Mega Matches and Mega Matches 95. They were the last. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were oh. going to be the last. How, how, yeah, how far did they get along in production in terms of like uh, making the covers and everything? There may there may have been covers done. I have to admit there may have been covers done, um, but um, I don't think they got into production uh, at all. But the, the masters existed, but I think they were sent back sadly. Oh, that's so. so sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that was when I started at, at Silver Vision in, in 06. I, I, one of my first jobs was to sort out the order of tag classics. Like as a fan, I was like, oh, why is in your house 13 and 16 together? Like it should have been 13 and literally 14. the question I was going to ask you next. <laughs> yeah, it's like that drove me crazy. And I'm like, right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to rewrite all these tag classics. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty brutal. I'm just going to go through in order. I'm not going to put out smack and whack them and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to literally go through the pay-per-views in order and put these out because we put one out a month. You know, I, I would have loved to put two out a month, but it was you know we couldn't we couldn't get space in retail if we only put one out. Uh, sorry, if we if we put more than one out. What so was I, the, what, sorry, no, go on. Oh, well, what was what was the justification you were given for thirteen and sixteen being put together? Is it because they had such epic main events? That's the only thing I can think of. Um, I think my colleague who was doing the release schedule at the time, just at the time he didn't realise how long it was going to go for and it was just get them out. <laughs> so, and they were two, I think, of his favourite titles. They were in a similar era, similar superstars and a, a nice set and wasn't too bothered about the order at that point. But me being the pedantic <laughs> wrestling fan that I am, I had to get that order sorted. But actually, worked quite well because i ended up getting the two in in between them together as a set so we got back into order quite quickly because what i wanted to make sure we got out was all the attitude era tag classics as quick as possible because i didn't want anything happening where we will be like hold on a minute uh why are you releasing tag classics you're not allowed to do this anymore you know you never know when that call is going to come so we were getting them out um not to say there's anything wrong with getting them out because you know they were they were our masters and and there was nothing wrong with that but um yeah i i did change the order around and for me as well what i wanted to make sure was that the the, the countdowns and the extras were on the tag classics this was the other thing so, i was going to ask you yeah <laughs> yeah so see i have some questions if you're a non uh-huh. okay. right okay um so, go, on. go for it sorry before i before i start <laughs> all right well i was just going to say that um there's a difference between a non-fan working there and a fan <laughs> whereas i would go down to the library and spend two hours on my hands and knees looking for the countdown from wrestlemania 12 um which because it was the 30 minutes it would be a smaller digibeater so it was much closer in size to a vhs so they came um, on separate videos the countdowns yeah yeah they That's did it was a sh- yeah they're cheap so digibeaters you can get their 
the, the, the longer bit the, the biggest ones are like you probably fit about an hour and a half on a digibeta so if it was a standard pay-per-view from a, from that era of 05 06 07 you would get three tapes per set you would get part one and part two of the pay-per-view and then the any extras or countdowns would be on a smaller half the size digibeta um That's so interesting okay yeah. so the um looking for these countdowns so we in the office itself we would have the library and i don't know if you've ever seen any pictures of the silver vision library have you ever I seen never it? have if you've got one i would love to see it yeah i'll send you one over um in the library was a it was like every single release ever released in catalog order along the shelf it was just a, a wet dream for a, a wrestling <laughs> fan um it, it so what i would do so i'd be like okay we sorted out the release schedule and i've done the whole next three years now and, every, and you know people trusted me they're like okay you've, you've done the right order so i would then go and find the vhs and put it in the player and i if there was a countdown on there i would and i'd forward through it make sure that the countdown was also on the tag classic so I would then go to the, the warehouse, so it's just a totally different place. You've got the library, which had the finished copies, and the warehouse was where the master tapes were kept, and that was off-site somewhere else. And these are the ones that I was referring to earlier with the master tapes that we never sent back. Yeah. So um, there was, before my time, some sort of water damage at some point, uh, which meant some of the tag classics never got released which we were asked to release. So I always wanted to put out the British Bulldog and the best of the British Bulldogs as a tag yeah. classic. And I think the issue was the master tape was damaged. I think it's also the reason why we never released uh, this Tuesday in Texas. Um, I think Super Tape and then and the year in review 92, I think they all had water damage on them so unfortunately we couldn't release them um i remember we... seeing comments on ukff even from years ago where they're like i'm so good that 92 year review didn't get a release yeah. like... I, mean, I, love, I love that original vhs that was an amazing uh tape uh, which was just a shame um um yeah so i was saying about the the uh, the, the countdown so you know i would literally go to the warehouse go looking for these countdowns and it's still grates me to this day the one countdown that was on a vhs release can i guess yeah and it's Summer not Sun 93 all right so that could be right because that was pre <laughs> that that probably is right because that was before i took over tag classics i was highly highly disappointed that the summer yeah. because it says it on the cover on the tag classic as well <laughs> oh my god that's see that's the that's the reason why they needed a fan working oh, okay. for <laughs> so that didn't happen when i was there <laughs> so Summer Sun 93 is one of my favourite events of all time. I know it gets a slagging off, but I'm also a huge, huge, huge Todd Pettengill fan, and I got to interview him um, for for the podcast, and it was like one of the greatest things I've ever done because, I mean, if, if I'm going to send you a previous episode, I've got to send you the Todd Pettengill episode because we go into all the countdowns. Oh, um, he was so go, good. Yeah, we go into such great depth about it. But, um, yeah, Summer Sun... Right, okay, because this is where I'm going to get a bit nerdy, and I'm probably going to ask you about stuff that you weren't there for, but it's kind of interesting that, there's okay, the, the countdown for Summer Sun 93 wasn't on there, and that was the the second countdown ever released on a Coliseum video, because Mania 9 was the first. Um, did you, do you know whether you received countdowns 
pre-Mania pre, uh, 9, because in America, they would kind of show them with, like, Gene Oakland just sat behind a, a chair and stuff like that. There was, like, a King of the Ring 93 countdown that was only 15 minutes long, stuff like that. That didn't end up on the tape. Like, do you know if Silver Vision received those and it was just a decision not to put them on? If it was on the original master tape from the US, the chances are it was definitely um, sent to us. Sorry, let me start that again. If, if it was on the original US master tape sent to us, it would have definitely been on the VHS release. So if it's not on the VHS release, Silver Vision never received it. That's my educated guess. The only time where you miss countdowns would be on the DVD when we have a warehouse with a thousand different tapes and that's where they get lost or someone didn't find it or look for it. So I, I, I don't honestly want to feel like I'm grilling your politician here because um, the, <laughs> there, are, there are some Thai classics of the In Your Houses, like In Your House 7, In Your House 8, which didn't have the countdown on the video but does on the Thai classic. Do you know what the like the idea was behind that then? Oh. Well, scrap everything I just said. Then. <laughs> um, see, oh, I don't want to be yeah. that smart. Oh, uh, so you know what I mean? Right. That's, that's 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 the thing. I mean, it's 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 say a warehouse, a massive warehouse of tapes, and it was maybe it was just in the wrong hands. Didn't find it. It was okay. it wasn't there, or someone spotted it after years, or it was mislabeled by called something else, and someone smart found it and said, actually, no, this is the In Your House Seven countdown, but WWE labeled it something completely different. You know, that, that's the only way I could see that something like that could have happened. I got you. Sorry, I, I didn't want to just feel like I was just like being a dickhead. No, no. I'll just keep saying I was. I'll just do a Bruce Pritchard and say I wasn't there for that. <laughs> well, there are. I mean, you've probably seen all the tag classics, and there are a couple of, um, I guess, technical glitches that I wanted to sort of ask you about because I was always intrigued about it. Um, and the Royal Rumble '94, there are two bits just cut out of the Rumble match. Um, and I'm assuming it's a time thing because it's a long show with the countdown. Um, but when Diesel eliminates Billy Gunn, it just cuts from him picking him up to him being outside the ring. And the last 30 or so seconds when they keep showing Luger and Brett going over the top rope, it kind of ends about 30 seconds before it should. Um, would that have just been a timing thing and just deciding where to make the cut? So where you describe so first of all it's before my time okay. yeah <laughs> but, sorry <laughs> but, yeah, sec secondly when the scene with diesel and billy gunn how many seconds is it that you miss about three seconds i would say okay because I, I was thinking if it was about a second it could have been the layer break on the dvd but if you're saying it's longer than that then oh I no it, it was a visible cut without like the dvd going on to the next layer and stuff like that yeah, and it, the, the VHS definitely doesn't have that. Yeah, that that's correct. The VHS doesn't do that. So it's either a um, an encode issue, and it wasn't spotted in quality control, um, or it's a, a damaged master. And the thing is, though, if we if we found a damaged master, I couldn't just ring up WWE and say, "Oh, can you resend me SummerSlam '94 because our one's you know." <laughs> Found the Swanee, they they would be like no, and if they did say yeah okay, they'd send us the the, the completely blurred one, so we didn't want to release that one. <laughs> That's fair. See, there were certain things that I feel like if I don't bring up, like I won't be forgiven. Um, because right. the, the Rumble '96 countdown as well. There's that great um advert at the end of the uh the countdown where they're all at, like a posh 
uh, dinner party and um, it all descends into a brawl sort of thing. But there's no audio over the top of it. But I'm guessing that was probably how it was aired at the time. And there just wasn't audio for it. It was just like a glitch from the actual pay-per-view airing of it, maybe. Maybe. And that's on the VHS, is it? It's no, it, that's the thing. It's not on the VHS, but it's on the Tag Classic countdown. The actual um, sequence or the audio missing? Um, the both of them. Um, it, so it's, it's footage, but so you're complaining about extra footage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, again, I'm sounding like a dickhead, but okay, so like something like some some 92, um. There are extra interviews in that, which is great, that aren't on the VHS. So what happens with that kind of thing? Is that just a, it was decided to be cut out of the VHS by Silver Vision at the time because yeah. of running time? Or... Must have been. To be honest, VHS is, was not a particularly modern <laughs> format. And it may have been cut for runtime. Yeah, it could, have, could well have been. I mean, one thing, you know, one thing you could look at was the original BBFC certification and look at the runtime on their website and see... If you know if that matches up to the one you've got on Tag Classes versus VHS, and you'll see what we submitted to those guys. But yeah, it's these are some of the questions that um, <laughs> it's turning into an episode of Point of View. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like no, it's good to it's good to know this stuff. I mean, there's this it's, it's either a we actually don't know, okay. or b it's uh, my colleague who worked at Silvision from about '91 who did an actually did an interview with Fighting Spirit magazine last summer. Uh, I think it was the final ever edition of the Fighting Spirit magazine. I don't know if you've got that. But I don't in, have uh, that, but I did love Fighting Spirit. In there, he he actually talks a lot more about some of the older tapes in 91, 92. There's none of this stuff in here, but he would be the guy to know. So if you want, you can send me a list of questions and I can ask him because he might know more <laughs> about that old legacy stuff. Is it, would he be sick? Would he be sick of his life if I'm just like, because like, I, 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 we've got to get back onto you here instead of me just <laughs> like going through every single Tag Classic release. <laughs> no, it's fine. And it's all, it's all good. Um, well, the, the, the thing is, around that time when you were there, did, because ideas like um, the slip cases, uh, the exclusive releases like the Edge slip case or the the, uh, the Helm Cell slip case, which were numbered, um, along with the, uh, the Steel Tin dvds were they a silver vision uh initiative yeah yeah a lot of those were extra we wanted to get something a bit more special for the uk market or the eu market and we wanted to put in extra you know we were always asked for collectors if we knew fans would lap it up yeah. and especially through, directly through the website if you were get a numbered version it was a big deal and i, I think i remember helena cell being numbered and thinking and then we, I think it arrived. They arrived. We all went down to the warehouse to see, well, not the warehouse, but like the um, the, the the back of the office where the deliveries were, and um, we all wanted to see if we could find number one in the box. <laughs> but of course, it was completely random. So it was like we're not going to tear through like five thousand copies of this. We're never going to find it. So I don't know if we ever found number one. But when you pull it out and it's one thousand and it's three hundred and it's three hundred forty-two and four hundred ninety-two and all that stuff, it yeah. just was like I forget it. <laughs> yeah, there were our ideas. Yeah, that's cool. In in terms of like censorship and, and i was wondering if these were choices made by silver vision but like three things that come to mind are the billy graham dvd never made it out over here and i know that's because there was some footage of the hanging um yeah. from the dusty Rhodes match um there's 
I don't know if it was just a bit of footage or if it was the whole match, but I think it was Flair versus Funk with a bag over the head. I think yeah. that was cut out. Um, and there were things like the uh, the original Steel Cage matches DVD was changed from like bloodiest Steel Cage matches or something with a completely different title. And I think the ECW compilation was changed from like most violent bloodiest matches to something else as well. Was that a censorship thing in the UK? Were we a bit yeah. more stringent about that? Yeah, so BBFC not only look at the content, they also look at the front cover and the packaging as well. <laughs> so right. anything with blood or reference to blood on the packaging uh, was a no-no and it would not get the rating. You'd have to push the rating up. So your examples about the different use of blood and stuff like that was um, was definitely the reason why those would change. When you mentioned the superstar Billy Graham DVD, uh, I'll make you jealous here. I've got it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, what you have a silver vision version oh. uh, so i have the ntsc us version i mean I, i'm probably it was released in the us anyway wasn't it it what it, they did it in the us and then they did it um you probably saw those tin box sets where they do legends of the round table tinned box set and oh, the yeah. random legends box set yeah mm. yeah so i i remember i had the ntsc version of it you are right. It was a it was hanging scenes. It was about fifteen minutes that had to be cut. So we put it into the BBFC, and they came back and they sent us this whole list of cuts. I think it ended up being like fifteen minutes worth. Uh, so we 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 just looked at it and thought, well, how many units are we going to sell? It's going to cost us X amount. Like an edit would be then go back to WWE. They'd have to create a whole new master tape, send it back over to the UK, and then we have to re-edit it, re-encode it re um reauthor it and put it onto disc and the decision it wasn't worth it he wasn't a big name in the uk so i think that was yeah. the only release up to that point that never came out in the uk but as you mentioned the legends of wrestling set so a decision by silver vision in the uk to release that one uh, i think there was also the tribute to the troops dvds that we didn't release either because it really wasn't something that there was a demand for here mm. um there was other DVDs that were on the schedule coming back to your earlier question about titles that were scheduled that never actually came out. There was a, a DVD supposed to be on the iron sheet. Oh, the, um, there the was compilation one, or documentary. Oh. Uh, it was a documentary and compilation. Oh, so wow. that was on, we would get the, we would get the release schedule and, um, you know, for the, for the coming year. And in that release schedule, I remember seeing iron sheet, superfly, Jimmy snooker and Goldberg. Oh. And, and and this was you know 2006 time you know this, this is the peak of people desperate for these superstar dvds and they actually were on the release schedule but they never actually got um, got released oh that's a shame i mean because obviously now we're never going to get a jimmy snooker um any, anything <laughs> now but no. um yeah uh, but i know there was a there was an ein chic documentary eventually um made by like an independent filmmaker i believe um yeah but the one of the the legends of the round table one there was one silver vision release of that but the other ones didn't make it out was it because it wasn't a big seller or yeah yeah it wasn't a big seller it didn't sell i mean if you didn't if it didn't have wrestlemania on it or hulk hogan or undertaker <laughs> or bret hart um in retail you know out in hmvs and and and, and that those kind of places it, it wouldn't shift you know you're talking 35 pounds you know you're not going to sell a DVD on the Iron Sheik or Superstar Billy Graham. There wasn't that knowledge in the fan base at that point about the history 
Do you think this is why the the Hall of Fame after the first one, which was a great release because it has the Slaughter Patterson match with alternate commentary with Slaughter and Patterson, which nice. everyone needs to check out because they've never put it on anything else. I don't even think that match is on the network um, currently. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing the first Hall of Fame DVD died a death and then yeah. sort of they put it I on the main so. disc. Yeah. I believe so. I mean. <laughs> You know, there was there was other there was other releases that I pitched to WWE as well, which is interesting. Okay, because they would come back and sometimes would say like, you know, we want to release Iron Sheik and Billy Graham and all this stuff, and, and, and they'd come back and say, you know, is, is this worth us to create Masters in PAL? Because you know, it's an extra expense for them to to really speed it up and change it from NTSC to PAL. And um, you, sometimes we go back and say, well, actually, no, we don't really like this, but. You know, I always wanted a British Bulldog documentary, yeah. <laughs> um, but the one I actually put together quite a nice um, match list and um, and and sort of pitch for was you you remember the WWE Live in the UK DVDs? Mm-hmm. So I I thought well what we it's been twenty five years since the first ever UK event in the late eighties it was going to be twenty five years of WWE in the UK. So it will be a selection of matches um, that WWE have had in the UK since they first came over to present day. Um, and, you know, all the way from Savage and Michaels in, I think, 91, was that? 92, I think. 92. Because the first one was on Sky One, wasn't it? London Arena. Yeah. And Battle Royal, the Albert Hall stuff. And just a sparkling of that kind of stuff. And I thought that would work really well in the UK market. Um, but uh, yeah, it got shot down. <laughs> so that would have is been that, nice. Is that why some classic matches ended up on the the UK DVDs as extras? Like yeah, you got Sean and Bulldog. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, well, let's put some extras on, on here because I mean, if you were at the show at the Raw, the SmackDown in Manchester or wherever it was, get the DVD. That's great. But other than that, what other reason would there be for you to actually buy that? Yeah. And um, so I, I, I think it was, I think it was my idea. I'm taking credit for it now because it's years <laughs> later. Um, was to put extras on there, and I always wanted to pitch because I remember going to Insurrection 2003 in, in Newcastle. I mean, you may have been there as well. Oh yeah, and, I, I know yeah. that Insurrection. I believe sold really the DVD sold really yeah. well in Newcastle, but probably didn't sell. <laughs> <so>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and um, there was a really good highlight reel uh, highlight real that night with chris jericho and bischoff and austin oh so good yeah and um i thought that's never been released no one's ever seen that since the u.s definitely had never seen it and um i always pitched to put that on as an extra on one of the live in the uk dvds but they never ever bit on it which is a shame um, no, it's a shame no. And then the other the other one i'll mention as well that i can remember which i pitched for was a do you remember probably probably going back now like six seven years the big christmas gift that everyone used to get would be an interactive dvd so like oh, you know, like, like a what, game like bullseye yeah. or something yeah yeah <laughs> bullseye dvd or who wants a millionaire like interactive dvd so my idea was a wwe interactive dvd and um uh you know it was stuff like what happened next and it'd be like batista climbing down the cage and then you'd pause it and then you'd cut you'd select which of the four options which would happen next and stuff like that and i put together which i thought was a pretty good conceptual you know six seven page document to them but the us just did not understand the concept at all 
<laughs> they, their questions back to me were just like, oh, you don't get it. You really don't get it. And um, I think we would have sold that quite well. But, oh, yeah. Especially with like classic footage on it as well. Um, yeah. So um, in, t in terms of like cross promotion, because there were um, the, there was cross promotion with like newspapers like The Sun, um, you know, giving away vouchers for you know, videos or Silver Vision related releases and stuff like that. And uh, the the tops, uh, sorry, the Merlin uh, poster magazine that came out in the early two thousands came out with that Wild in the UK video with Lita yeah. um, on the on the VHS. And there was another one hosted by Regal um, that I think you got free with the Sun as well. That came like a cardboard slipcase and stuff like that. So, yeah. what um, inter promotional sort of cross branding things did you take part of? take part in while you were there um quite a few actually i, I wasn't around for those ones but i remember buying them <laughs> yeah uh, but um a lot of the stuff we did we did some stuff with pedigree books so they would do these big hardback books and I they'd remember these, these. yeah they'd, and they'd have the cover mount dvd at the front do you, you remember those yeah i do yeah so there's a the, the back story to that was that they wanted a, a a dvd of footage which had to be u or pg rated with the bbfc and they wanted it no more than like 20 25 minutes because they wanted to put it on a cheaper dvd5 to, to, to produce mm. so my job on a quarterly basis was to find filler content which was u or pg to go on to these sort of giveaways and genuinely what I did is I went on WWE.com and they used to have loads of those little snippet videos, things like here's Batista's lunch boxes. Here's, a, <laughs> you know, here's Ray Mysterio taking us through his aftershave collection. You know, here's Maria washing some cars, you know? So it was literally, I would put that through in a list, send it over to WWE and say, create this master for, for pedigree. And literally every time they would just do it. They never questioned it. <laughs> They were just like, yeah, this this dude's obviously spent way too much time. <laughs> uh, we'll trust him, and and they would send us over the master, and, and that's how we got them done. Did that have you scratching your head though when you offer like such a good idea, like the the DVD interactive game, and that gets turned down, but then stuff like that gets the go ahead? <laughs> well, because they already had a, they had a they had a commercial partner. You know, if you told them that we've got a partner we're making money with, with pedigree, and it's going to, you know, this book will go into X amount of shops and it will get the WWE DVD, you know, because in there we would probably, I can't remember what we did, but we would put, you know, buy all the collection here or something like that. So anything like that where we would be working with a big company like pedigree, then they would be all over it like a rash. It would be sent over immediately. But anything where it's like, we're going to produce it ourselves, we might sell this amount, we may not sell this amount. That's when they were like, mm, I don't know if this makes sense or not. So were you involved in the, the Woolworths exclusive DVDs that came out? I remember them. They looked at, they were they they were before I started, but they they looked a bit like the tag classics in the packaging, didn't they? They were a bit grim, I thought. It was like grey. Like yeah. there would be it, there was a Ray Batista one, a couple of others and Austin just, was that one of them? I think so. They just didn't look very. I, I, sorry, because I, I, I know you worked there, but they just didn't look very appealing, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I think. Are you talking about the um, the the Eddie Ray Batista Big Show? Yeah, those ones. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that actually putting those together was probably my favourite part of working at Silvervision. <laughs> oh, <I> sorry. <laughs> uh, it's it's it was because I got to be creative. Okay. So 
so that the, the history of that they weren't Woolworths exclusives they were so what people don't realize is that Silver Vision worked in the UK market but they also were across the whole of Europe as well so we had you know a team of about 25 of us all together and we had a we had a a, a department which where we had Italian speakers we had French speakers we had Spanish speakers and we had we had distribution across Europe as well and in Italy particularly there was a massive boom in WWE between around 2004 and 2006, which is why they brought out the Santino Morella character, to be honest with you. Um, it was on fire in that market. And in Italy, I don't know if you've been many times, but they have like little kiosks. They're like news agents, but they're kind of outside. And what sold really well was um, DVDs with, with a booklet in these kiosks. And we put out a dvd i think the first one was like eddie guerrero and we did a ray mysterio one and you wouldn't believe the amount of units that these these would sell like they were absolutely massive so we quickly then started doing right let's do characters let's do ones on every character let's do batista let's do jbl booker t kane big show like anyone that has any sort of name let's do a dvd on them and this is the first time any of those stars have ever had a dvd just on them mm. so my job was literally to go through the entire archive of wwe and say right i've got 90 minutes i need to put together five or six matches to showcase their career and and put them on the dvd so my job for an afternoon would be like right kane is the next dvd what is going to go on his dvd and I had a couple of rules. It was like no Chris Benoit <laughs> yep. and no Brock Lesnar. Now, I know that sounds funny now, but back then he was not in the good book. So we had to be strategic <laughs> there. Um, so it did change quite quickly after that when he came back. But at one point it was like a no-go. So I would select a, ma a selection of matches about 90 minutes long, send it to WWE for approval. And literally 99% of the time they would say, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> did, did you ever hear from the the wrestlers who were getting these dvds for the first time like would it have been a big deal for them do you think i don't know to be honest i don't know whether it, it went all the way down that chain i'm sure they look at their royalty statement and they just thought <laughs> great i've sold dvds that i don't know whether they were that interested uh, to be honest with you but no we definitely never got down as far as us as far as anything like that i never got any complaints about why did you pick this match versus that match <laughs> but that's why it was my favorite part because I actually, my fingerprints were on the actual footage. I, I picked those matches. It was kind of cool. Okay. Um, I, I apologize for slagging off the covers. <laughs> and, and, you know, they sold so well in the European market, those snippet 90 minute DVDs and, and the covers, yeah, they were cheap, but they were only cheap. They were only like six or seven quid. And we started doing the best of Raw and the best of SmackDown as well. And, and the website guys at, at Silver Vision, you know they were like well why are italy getting all these dvds and we're not getting in the uk so you know politically they internally were putting a lot of pressure on and we managed to get them out in the uk on the website as well um and the difference between the italian ones and the uk ones is the italian ones had a booklet inside it i don't know whether the uk ones did um, that's interesting and yeah that's the first i'd heard about the the uh the booklet it's it's, it's yeah. kind of like a full circle thing as well because you know silver vision in the early days would have the 45 minute to an hour videos that were a little cheaper as well and kind yeah. of like an introduction to mm -hmm. like a wrestler or to um an event or something like that and and 
funnily enough, because I was speaking just before to Richard Sparks, and he was the guy who worked at Merlin and uh, was the head of Euroshop for a little while as well. Um, yeah. Those poster magazines that came out in the early 2000s, they stopped in the UK in 2002, I want to say. And then in 2005, in Italy, they brought them back. Um, and there was like three or four issues just in Italy at that time. So that makes a lot of sense now why they would brought out in Italy during that time, because obviously things must have been really hot for whatever reason. Like, did they get, like, a new TV deal or something like that, or were they put on in a prominent time slot? Or I'm not sure why. I think it was a, it was down to the TV deal. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, for, for some reason, Batista was the biggest star in Italy. <laughs> it was just <laughs> unbelievable how popular he was in Italy, and they couldn't get enough of him. And, you know, and going back to, like, putting those match lists together, I remember putting ever the first ever SmackDown best of smackdown dvd was the one that i put the list together for like and i put the brock lesnar um big show ring break match on there yeah. and yeah. that was the first time that was ever released so i was like yay <laughs> and then i did the best of raw and that included the shelton benjamin hbk match for the first time and i was thinking i'm so proud of this match list and then i looked on the uk aff fan forum and then everyone was slagging it off <laughs> what, what were they slagging off about it just, just matches like, oh, or who who picked these matches? What about this match and this match and that match? Why is that not on there? And I was like desperate to write back. We're not allowed to use this one. This had blood in it. We can't use it for this reason. There was always reasons, but I couldn't really get into it because I was representing WWE, so I couldn't reply. So it was a bit annoying. But with, with, with regards to the blood, because the, the Edge uh, decade of... Um, decade. Uh, de decade of decadence, uh, the slipcase had blood splatters on it. So was that something you could get away with as an exclusive? I think it was already in 18, so I don't know ah, if it was a problem. Yeah, I think either it was like stylized blood where it wasn't like blood pouring out of someone's skull like yeah. Austin, or, or it was an 18 or they missed it. But yeah, we, we were able to get that one through. That's uh, good. See, I, th I think the first um, um, example of that was uh, probably the Custom Call Said So video. Um, yeah. Silver, Silver Vision, and I, do, I think this might have been a catalogue exclusive, but they had the, the bloody face cover, um, whereas in stores it was just the generic picture of Austin on the front. Mm. Um, and, I mean, because I, I don't think, I don't know if you were there for this time, but there was that period in, like, 2004, 2005 where even before tag classics there were some releases like the andre the giant vhs and Costunco said so and undertaker he buries them alive and the heartbreak express Shawn michaels uh video they were released like do you what was the thinking behind those at the time was it just nostalgia was starting to come back even before the tag classics yeah i think so i think it was just the the, the u.s were releasing it and then they asked us if we wanted to release it as well. And we were like, yeah, great. Send us it over. We will release anything. And the UK market would would take anything. You know, we had a, there's a big fan base here and they always loved anything that they'd never seen before. Mm. Um, and yeah, that, that was it really. It was just, yeah, these, these are available. Get them out. So during your time there, um, did the archival releases, um, did they sell better than the, the current pay-per-views? Uh, I would say WrestleMania was the biggest seller by by a long, long way. Yeah, and um, I would say after, and then I would say the A grade. I would call them the superstar titles, the big ones, the Hogan, the the Undertaker, the Brett ones would would sell nearly as big as a WrestleMania. 
mm-hmm. um, and and then it would be like a big of a, a bit of a drop then to some of the smaller like tag classics and stuff like that i mean we had big success titles as i mentioned some of those but we also had some big flops as well like i think it's <laughs> fair <Go on>. to, <laughs> it's fair to say the some that did not uh, did not do as well like the steel books and i know fans love the steel books but um, we had to order a minimum quantity of them due to the way they were manufactured and due to the fact there was a monopoly on the company that actually produced them uh, in Denmark. And um, those did not sell very well. We, That's we all, a shame because they really were nice. They were nice. And the WrestleMania tin as well was very nice too. Um, the other ones that really did not sell very well was stuff like the World's Greatest Families, uh, I think I think we tried to reduce that in price like immediately. <laughs> but you know what? As well, that was that wasn't too bad of a DVD. I thought um, it was hosted by Carlito, wasn't it? And, yeah. Um, the, there was some match. There was some old matches on there that I had like I think there was a Rujo's Bushwhackers match from MSG that I hadn't seen, and um, there was some really nice stuff. Please tell me that the manager's DVD sold really well. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's not I'm not it's not one of the worst sellers I'll tell you that but it's definitely not one of the best sellers I mean the AWA DVD's got to be right down the bottom <laughs> unfortunately the world class championship wrestling one that that Silver Vision did was a really poor seller um, I think no accounting for good taste is there well that's the thing they are quite niche though you know <laughs> so I think the intercontinental title history was another one that really struggled to move really yeah that's, that's a shame the, the um the um the manager's dvd came with four exclusive trading cards um they did in america did they do that in the uk as well mm, that's a good question i was there, were, there at that time as well there were the heritage cards and they were kind of because you could get them as like um shiny cards but these were like matte cards and there was like it was um paul bearer jimmy hart bobby heenan and one of a um i I, I used to get to the us used to send me their copy of everything Mm -hmm. and so i'm not sure whether it's ringing a bell for me because i got the us copy or we did it i don't think we did release them with the cards you know i I remember um i think that was possibly the only dvd because i'm such a huge jim Cornette fan and for him to be incorporated on a dvd after he'd been let go seemed like ridiculous to me and i was so excited to see it and i think that was the first one that i ever pre-ordered um and i I wasn't let down by it i don't know why they had todd grisham hosted um (laughs) you know some of those choices were a bit weird um i was just thinking about the uh the andre dvd as well which i don't know what anyone was thinking don't get me wrong i loved it but it was a re-released video from 1984 uh, they didn't clean it up and they added the WrestleMania Body Slam challenge at the end with Taz and Michael Cole on commentary because they didn't want to pay Jesse Ventura. Um, mm-hmm. for, uh, and I remember that being a Virgin exclusive at the time. And when I went in to buy it, it had already been out for about a month at that point, And the person behind the till was like, you're the only person that has bought this DVD. Um, oh, <laughs> so, oh. I mean, uh, sorry, go for it. Sorry. No, I'm just saying, wow. I mean, yeah. As far as sales go, if you, if it wasn't WrestleMania or or one of the big big names, the the niche titles, although they were good quality releases, they were quite niche, and the the, the passive fan didn't really buy that stuff. So it was 
we, we we love putting them out but they would only be like some of them were only like website exclusives i, I believe mm. yeah it really is a shame because the awa doc the um jade the snake documentary at the time um because that isn't on the network um and i think it's because he was still pretty much not in a good place when they released that documentary um and obviously now he's doing much better and that resurrection of jade the snake um documentary is out there but i remember getting that and i was really excited to watch it i watched it on christmas day and uh with the family and the first things were like jake talking about like you know um his mom molesting him in the bathtub and stuff like that i was just like oh yeah (laughs) not a good choice for christmas viewing (laughs) you know um so in terms of um and we'll wrap up because i've kept you far too long uh, as i normally do um in terms of like sort of things like Richard Sparks at uh, Merlin told me about some of the events that he got to attend and the wrestlers he got to meet, etc. Um, and how he was around for like the autograph signings and stuff as part of like the promotion team. Um, what kind of stuff did you get in like involved with in that area? Yeah, so the, the the website team, they were the ones that would do exclusive interviews with talent. So the talent, would they be over for the tour? we would get because of we're a licensee we would get access to talent so they would go to like some hotel in covent garden and it would be someone like randy orton or mick foley or matt harley or something like that and um our, our webmaster and, and and the web team who did a fantastic job with talent they would go and interview uh, the talent and it would be put onto the website and um you know as far as i was concerned it wasn't part of my job i was more in production but I did get to meet quite a few of the stars. Like, you know, Silver Vision had Fight DVD and had Clear Vision, so we did all the UFC stuff as well. Mm. And you know, I had Michael Bisping sitting in my office having a chat with me one day. <laughs> um, but as far as WWE goes, I mean, I, I I got to meet Bret Hart about two weeks after I started the company. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I did, he was doing a signing in HMV and they needed a video to play above him whilst he was doing the signing. So I, I just had to go through his DVD and just find clips that we could put on a loop above him. And I remember telling him, oh, the loop above you, um, I put that together for you. <laughs> and he was like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, <laughs> what a nerd. And I got to, I got to meet uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin as well. At one of the signings so the signings in like hmvs were set up by silver vision but i didn't set up the signings i would just come along to the signings because i'm like well i might be able to get to the front of the line or get behind the queue and stuff like that so for austin i got put to the front i had a little chat with him like an ex-colleague of mine introduced me to him and it was just amazing i got to meet mick foley as well he kept calling me dave so i was like, <laughs> like only fools and horses like, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Dave, Dave, Dave. <laughs> Uh, so yeah there were definitely perks in that regard i didn't get to go to wrestlemania every year so silver vision used to take their clients so like your hmvs your woolworths uh, all, all those guys out to wrestlemania every single year go to the hall of fame go to the, the after party go to the you go have a box you know when i say wwe looked after silver vision they really did you know you'd have linda mcmahon and vince come maybe shane would come shake hands with with um all like hmv guys and stuff like that go meet all the li- licensees they're really good at that and the guy who used to go to wrestlemania when he'd come back 
um, um, bless him, he's, he's passed away now. But when he used to come back, he's such a nice guy. He would tell us all what happened at WrestleMania, like behind the scenes. Yeah. And it was just, it was fascinating for him to say like, oh, you know, who was cool? Like who was in the bar? Who are you drinking with? All that kind of stuff. It was just amazing. Like he, he'd always say such fantastic stuff about John Cena and how amazing he was and such a super cool dude, he would say, and how much whiskey he would drink. And, <laughs> and just stories like, I think one time he heard loads of commotion in the hallway in the hotel. And then he looked through the gap in, in the door and it was like this girl dressed in gold dust attire running down the hallway. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like the craziness I could tell you, but off off the podcast is just, <laughs> you know, and we had to balance the fact that we had, you know, some of the guys in the office had this amazing job that they get to go to WrestleMania. But, you know, we also had a couple of girls in the office that, you know, did all the mail orders on the phone. So people still used to ring up and order on the phone. And they had to deal with people ringing up and saying, you know, uh, I want to wish The Undertaker a happy birthday. Can you put me through? You know, that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, we, we had some very patient people working there. You know, it was, it, it, was, it, was a big, it was a big team. And it was only, I think, about four of us that were real true fans. And, but it was a good mix. And, um, yeah, it was just it was, a, it was a great place to work. Uh, and you, if you... It, if you had ever lived, you'd go to our boardroom because in the boardroom we had the chairs of all the WrestleManias lined oh, up. In that's cool. Uh, yeah, and then if you if you go into the office, there was life size standees literally everywhere. Like this is as close <laughs> to working for WWE that you could get. There was no WWE UK office then or anything. Like you would walk in and you would see. I remember vividly walking in and seeing a life size Diesel, like <laughs> years after he'd left. Then there's a Trish Stratus upstairs and and you just walk around as an Austin. And then it's funny if WWE were coming to town, we would go around and be strategic and be like, oh, who are they pushing at the moment? Like, I'll put him at the front and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic. So you um, left um, Silver Vision just before the deal ended with WWE, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I left actually at the end of 08 and I think the deal ended and about 2012. So I was there, I wasn't there for the last few years, but I was, I was there for the real boom when we across Europe, where we really were massive in different territories. Do you know why that? Cause I just assumed that once, cause I was good when the announcement was made. Um, and you know, Silver Vision really did a good job of being very personable with its customer base. Um, I just assumed that WWE was probably going to do stuff in-house at that point, but they moved over to Fremantle Media. Do you know why why that happened? Yeah, so um, I think at one point WWE were looking to buy Silver Vision. Uh, oh, really? And do, yeah, and, and, and do the distribution themselves. But I think when they did a bit more digging and found out how how complex it was across Europe and all the connections that you need to get into stores in France and in Spain and stuff. They thought, well, actually, we don't have that expertise. So um, the contract would run out every few years and there'd be a new negotiation on terms. And the contract was running out in 2012. And at the time, WWE were doing, and this is what I recall from the time, this is after I'd left, but it's um, through people I knew there, that WWE were doing a review of all their licensees. And Silver Vision were clearly the smallest company that they dealt with. There's a lot of loyalty going back from like 88. And, yeah. and, and WWE really wanted big companies representing them. So 
you know, they they were looking at Fremantle and other companies of that size to fit. They were linking, well, look at the international distribution these guys have got. And, um, and you know, the, the, the contract had run out, terms were not agreed, and WWE decided, well, actually, you know, we've worked with Silver Vision for, you know, over 20 years. We want to move on to a, a, a bigger company uh, to represent us. And, and that was the end of things, really. Um, you know, I, I'm, I know the guys at Fremantle, the nice guys, um, but I don't think they were ever able to spark that same relationship Silver Vision had with their fans. I agree. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I just don't think it would think it was underestimated by WWE how, how how the direct consumer relationship that Silver Vision had with the fans. You know, the, the website guys had the I don't even remember the, the mark, the, the Facebook guy that they had where it was like a loyalty scheme that was running and stuff like that as well. Mm. And you just a service of ordering a DVD at five o'clock and getting it the next day. People <laughs> say, how on earth did you manage to do that? I think it's because we were based in Enfield, which was right on the corner of the M25. So when Royal Mail would come <laughs> pick us up, they'd come at like quarter to five, get it out. It could it could be out in, in the Midlands by by the next morning. So it was um uh yeah, it was it was a it was a long and successful relationship, but the, the time had come to, to go the separate ways. In Fremantle Media, I mean, I see them on Challenge all the time because they must have the rights to like all the old game shows. I'm guessing. Yeah, um, they've got a huge amount of rights. I think they were well known for having the rights to Neighbours, but I think they definitely um, they definitely own like Millionaire and X Factor and stuff like that. That's crazy. Um, but I mean, but ask anyone. I mean, you could hum the opening bars of the Silver Vision intro. Yeah. On any of the VHS, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. and everyone in a pub <laughs> yeah. would yeah. probably, you know, start singing and probably do the voiceovers as well. You know, if it's clotheslines, body slams, you know, that you're after. So that yeah. was a Silver Vision produced uh, thing, as far as you, as far as you're aware. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely done by Silver Vision. I mean, I, this is way, way before my time. Like, I'm a child at this point, so I don't actually know the background to it. But I've had a look online, and people are using it as their like ringtone and stuff like that. Like, you know, we're, we're in a we're in a time where nostalgia is just massive, and you know, you've got people buying plaques on eBay. You've got people trying to recollect all their Hasbro's and. Silver Vision is part of that same generation. It's the same people that are collecting Hasbro's are the same ones that are wanting to know more about Silver Vision and, 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 and everyone looking at their collections that other people have had and stuff like that. Uh, it's wonderful. I also remember the um, the SummerSlam 92 uh, one to London Bridge. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, Alfred Hayes did the voiceover for it and everything. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh. It really is. Um, the other thing I was going to mention as well, a little tidbit for you as well, was, you know, you were talking about how there were cuts on DVDs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there was actually, do you remember No Mercy 2007 when Triple H had three different matches? Yes. And in his last match, it was, I think it was a Falls Count Anywhere with Randy Orton or something like that. Well, in that match, he hangs Randy Orton over the rope, with a, over the top rope with a bull rope. And that was that was rejected by the BBFC and they sent me a cut list and um, I looked at the cut list and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to take the whole section out, sent the list to WWE. They sent me the tape back and it was a beautiful edit. You would never even notice. But I was thinking, well, I 100 percent guarantee the fans are going to notice this. 
at no point in my time has anyone ever noticed that the match between Randy Orton and Triple H at No Mercy 2007 is quite heavily edited around the ball rope section. So it was just where he hang actually starts hanging in. That is not on the DVD. So that's something that you didn't know. That's amazing. I've got to say one of the most, uh, and this is well before your time, and we'll we'll kind of end it here, is uh, one of the most clunky edits I think I ever saw was uh, WrestleMania Five, um, where Elizabeth gets sent to the back. And uh, about five minutes later, Savage is beating up Hogan, and it cuts to Elizabeth still at ringside. Uh, oh, my God. That's terrible. <laughs> well, on that event as well, they had to hide Ultimate Warrior's botch on Bobby Heenan. Uh, oh, no, it was against, it was against Rude when the, I think he froze Rude in the ropes or something like that, and it completely messes up. But at the time, they... Mm. Um, you know, they cut it out to make Warrior look good, but after that self-destruction DVD, they just left it in everything. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And and what I was saying to you the other day was I don't think I meant sorry earlier on, was I didn't mention the countdown that I never found. Oh yes, okay. And it's WrestleMania eleven. So <gasps> Todd Pettingale yeah. is he does a full countdown on the VHS and I could not find that for love nor money on the um in the masters and um and the other thing to mention as well with the old masters is the SummerSlam 98 highway to hell tag classic so this was internally a bit of a ball ache because i found the master tapes for that and they were terrible in quality they were unusable unreleasable complete mess and so people internally were saying well actually we'll just skip that one and we'll just do SummerSlam 99 and I'm just like tearing my hair up <laughs> that is a disaster like there's no way we're doing that uh-huh. so what I actually ended up doing was I found a disc and the, I found the original like um disc we had like a burn version of the master which is so random and I just got we just re-encoded the disc version so we made a a disc of a disc <laughs> it's like a copy of the disc and it doesn't look great but we never got any complaints about it so then later on when we were doing the attitude era tag classics and there was so many extras on there mm. and i couldn't find the masters for any of those extras in the in the warehouse at all so what we used to do is we would get the original dvd and um you know the, the wwf dvd and we would just encode directly from the dvd <laughs> so it's not illegal, <laughs> but that's how we had to get it on there so you know that's the only way we could find a way around it we didn't have the the masters so we took it from the dvd so that's, that's how we got we did everything we could to get those extras on there well, i was going to say so there was no um no question in there not it, it not including those extras sort of thing when the deep when you started getting to the dvd releases yeah, if I was involved in it, it was going to be exactly the same as the original release. Otherwise, I'm not releasing it. <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee you save a lot of people a lot of money when you re-released WrestleMania 17. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I remember that going for like, literally, I mean, people wouldn't believe you now, but like £100 on eBay at one point. Yeah. Um, because it was it just became that, it wasn't out for long before the name changed and then just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think that was was that the first tag classic that was just a just one event on two discs. I think no, sixteen was. Um, no, right. sorry, no, no, no. You, you, I think you. Okay, I'm going to get this wrong. I think sixteen was the first two disca, but I think the second disc was just like a retrospective of all the other manias. Right. Yeah, you're right. 
whereas yeah. 17 was actually spread across two discs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, see, this is the level of nerdiness you get um, on, <laughs> on right. Hands of the Merchant, because that second disc on 16 was also used in that History of WrestleMania book that came out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's good knowledge that, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, my, my job when those tag classics was to QC them. So I'd get in in the morning in work and I'd put in like a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam and I would sit there and watch it. So I'm thinking I'm getting paid to watch WWE, classic WWE stuff. I'm getting paid for this. Like I've just had to be like, how on earth is this happening? And you're not, but you're not watching it like lying on the couch, eating popcorn, watching wrestling. You're looking for technical issues. So you're looking for like the glitches that you mentioned with Billy Gunn and, and Diesel, whatever it was. And you're writing them all down. But with my colleague, I used to have a list of the errors in QC on one side. And on the other side, we'd have a list of botches that we've seen in the show. <laughs> so I'd, when I'd finished watching it, I'd call him in and we'd go through all the botches and just crack up laughing. <laughs> but it's just things like that, that would get you through get you through the day, you know. Uh, amazing. Look, I think because what we're going to have to do at some point is um, I want to know what you've got in your collection. Uh, I've got I've got <laughs> one. I'll give you one. WrestleMania 20, um, which at the time was a huge release, and it's numbered out of 6,000, I believe. Oh, the big box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got number two. <gasps> Good <Yeah>. Lord. <laughs> so uh, I have that in my... Uh, in, in in storage so i remember day. that being a big deal was that a, was the box a silver vision decision then because i'll be forever grateful that the uh, the film cell that came with it was christian against jericho because christian's my favorite wrestler nice. um so that was like a, a big selling point and the thing is as well that dvd had an interactive quiz game as well there you go see they they they, they uh -huh. just they, they had it there they just didn't know what to do with it <laughs> uh, oh Oh, so yeah, that, I think that we've got to uh, talk collectibles at some point. I'm going to show you all my Coliseum video free gifts because, no. oh God, have you seen some of the stuff they made? They made a picnic basket. Oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> if there was anything, they put there was a fly swatter. Um, yeah, there was there was all. I don't have the picnic basket. I'm not uh, quite Yogi the Bear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, we'll have to we'll have to go through some of that stuff. Maybe. Uh, you know, for another episode or something, because I know I've kept you far, far, far too long. We didn't no, discuss time limits here, so I do appreciate your time. No, don't worry. So you can cut half of it out when you're editing anyway, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great chatting to you. It's great to chat to another fan, and um, I'm glad that Silver Vision is remembered so fondly. It's great oh. that everyone still remembers it and still talks so highly about it, and you feel proud, and, and I'll, I don't think I'll ever have a job that I'll love as much as I did when I worked there. It's wonderful. And getting to speak to someone who was a, a big part of Silver Vision's history as well, I'm um, extremely grateful. And like I say, I love these conversations sometimes more than chatting with the actual wrestlers because you get to be mm. uber nerdy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I want to I want to thank everyone for um, uh, listening to this episode of Hands Off the Merchandise. And there's tons more you know, episodes with photographers video game developers you know all the gamut from it is he uh on our archives and i want to thank you james for taking part in this uh in today's show and people can find you on um on twitter yeah on twitter i'm, I'm quite new so i'd love the followers and anytime you've got any questions on silver vision or anything just send them straight over i'll get back to you i'm the main event zero zero 
Wonderful. And the link will be uh, put below the show as well. So, yes, James, I want to thank you again. And I will see everyone and the cat who's been making numerous appearances during the show. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll see you all again next time. Thank you again. Bye.